Hello everyone and welcome to the BCS audio experience. Now in this podcast we are talking to one of my friend Esteban from Berlin. Esteban has got a farm in Colombia and he has been teaching in coffee in Berlin Coffee School for a very long period of time as a barista instructor. Now in his recent visit to Nepal I got an opportunity to meet him and talk about Nepali specialty coffee a lot. So before his return to hometown we both decided to sit down and talk about his experience about Nepali coffee. Now if you like our podcast please do subscribe as well. We are on every social media page. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat as Barista's Coffee School. So without further ado, let's start our podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Let's start. So, thank you for being on the podcast, Esteban. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting um, me. It's been a very long period of time. We have been, you know, uh, thinking of doing these things together, and uh, it's almost uh, a month. Maybe you've been here. Yeah, definitely. I came um, around uh, around the 11th of March, I think, uh-huh. and we came with a big group to do the Napurna base camp trek. Uh-huh. And before that, I contacted you over yeah. Instagram because I saw your videos and I like them very much. Uh, since I'm also a barista trainer at the uh, Berlin School of Coffee, uh, I was really interested about the things that you're doing here in Nepal. And that's why I contacted you. And I'm super, super happy that we were able to meet and uh, yeah, to do this together. And uh, well, it's, it's been a pleasure uh, the, the past few days that we've been like talking and meeting and doing some copying and these things yeah so it's been it's been so a, much yeah sure thank you so much for approaching us as well it's been great you know honor to be you know here with you as well so let's start with how you know about yourself why don't you you know introduce yourself and let people know that what do you actually do and your background is actually I'm really glad you know the first time I, I, I knew about you that you are also a, you know a farmer a trainer and have been involved in coffee you know, um, at least for like three generations from your family and then you yourself for like almost two years. Yeah, but I would, I would you know, love to know that more, you know. Why don't you talk about yourself first? Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, so, um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Esteban Lopera. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm originally from Colombia. Uh, we have a coffee farm near uh, Medellin um, in the district of Santo Domingo in Antioquia and it's called Lindalaja. Uh, it's around 67 hectares big and uh, we started planting again um, after the farm was barren for a long long time because of the violence in Colombia. So we started planting again around three years ago and right now we have around 10,000 plants in production. This year we want to plant another 10,000 and we want to ramp up production in the next few years so we can produce uh, a couple of tons a year. So. Um, that's happening in Colombia. I myself am living in Berlin, in Germany. I'm a barista trainer at the Berlin School of Coffee and I started there um, last year in July. Uh, first uh, I took all the courses and then I started teaching as well because I have a, a background also in teaching. Uh, I did some, some workshops for the university and so that's, uh, I, I, I love education, I love teaching people things and uh, yeah, that's a big passion of mine as well. Uh, so 
Basically, that's me. We started uh, last last around. Yeah, this month while I was here in Nepal, we had our big first uh, trial roast in Berlin. And when I come back to Berlin next week, uh, I will cup it for the first time. So I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. Actually. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, probably everyone on the podcast already knows you, but maybe for the people listening in Europe, uh, tell us a little bit of it, about you. I'm sure. really interested. Sure. Uh, well, my name is uh, Monoj Monoj Shahi. Now, I've been in this field for like around uh, nine years now, uh, working as a barista and you know, um, working for an international franchisee company as well. And I've um, actually, to be honest, it's just been, I would say, three years, four years. I've literally been in coffee, you know, working professionally and working in, you know, uh, specialty coffee as well. That's how I started, actually. So I started with um, um, to work for an international franchise company, uh, which was here in Nepal. So mostly my education was... Uh, uh, outside of the country where I could get a lot of information regarding international coffee mm -hmm. from different places actually and came back to Nepal uh, did the training for one month and then came back again and again we started as a barista became a supervisor then manager and then I'm one of the co-founder of Barista's Coffee School so when we started the coffee school um, it was the same Italian coffee culture that we had in you know, teaching the same you know uh, methods of Italian coffee culture but later on when we started to know you know get to know more about you know Nepali coffee culture and then you know learn more about the Nepali coffee culture we started to research and talk about more Nepali coffee especially in Nepal because there are a lot of people who need to understand what actually Nepali coffee is so because uh, there are a lot of people who are still consuming uh, instant coffee over here but right now, it's been almost four years now we have established, established the business. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who has been you know, uh, consuming uh, the beans, coffee beans actually, and they know more about what actually the coffee is and the potential of the Nepali coffee that we have here. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's how we're starting. And yeah, I try to make more and more um, uh, videos on you know, Nepalese coffee and you know, uh, talk about those coffees so that people understand what do we have and we need to consume more and more Nepalese coffee. So I try to give those information to the people as well. So yeah, that's, that's what we do. That's, that's super, super interesting. And um, today when I was coming back from the farm, I was researching like, uh, Nepal isn't even in the coffee boat, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it, it, there's still the, the, the climate to produce really good coffee yeah. because you have these, all of these microclimates in the, in the Himalaya mountains. And um, today when, when I went to the coffee farm, I saw the plants and they were super, super healthy. Yeah. So that's super interesting to me. Exactly, because the terrain that we have, uh, looking after the terrain, it's, uh, we have a very high potential on producing very good, you know, uh, good quality coffees and more of a good quality specialty coffees actually. But uh, we do not have a um, proper information how we can do it actually. Yes, there are a lot of things which we, you know, uh, can look forward to, but still there are a lot of, uh, you know, problems that we need to face uh, because of the vegetation that we have. So um, the farmer knowledge, you know, how to produce the coffee as well, how to keep the soil fertile for a very long period of time, you know, and there are a lot of farmers who do not have the idea, you know, coffee can be a cash crops as well, because yes. most of the people are still practicing the, you know, traditional method of, you know, um, doing the farming side. 
but coffee culture is growing slowly so there are a lot of people who understand that they can get or see high you know uh, income you know if they can produce good quality coffee yeah. in their future so there are a lot of people let's say young people who are really you know into uh, farming side yeah. especially in coffee so yes i'm hoping for the best and uh, uh, the new technology that we are getting uh, we want to you know uh, take that to the farmers as well and make them understand what they can do and work on the you know, um, you know, let's say farm or let's say during the processing methods and a lot of things. Yeah, very, very interesting. I, I, <clears throat> when I think and uh, when you, I hear you talk about the processing methods um, and I've seen some of the videos you showed me uh, about how the washing process is done here yeah. and these things, uh, I find it really interesting because um, from the processing standpoint, it goes in a direction that even uh, we in Colombia are heading towards because in the past we would use lots and lots and lots of water uh -huh. to ferment the coffee and these things and now more and more we are, um, I mean, you know, uh, in washed coffee or in fermented coffee, when you depulp the coffee, you have two, well, you have a couple of possible ways to ferment it and you can just depulp it and leave it with the mucilage and, and ferment it that way. Yeah. And there are new machines that after this has happened, mm -hmm. they uh, take it into a, a, a eco mill, it's wow. called. So it uses a very, very little amount of water to after the fermentation has been done to just wash it. Uh -huh. And so it saves water, it's good for the environment and it does pretty much what we used to do with the old processing facilities I was telling you earlier yeah. about, uh, with much less water. Ah. And so these things could be very interesting. I, I, I could uh, show you maybe some Colombian companies, but maybe also Indian companies that uh, can bring it to you cheaper, uh, can maybe also make it. Yeah, that would be great actually. I would love to see that as well. But there are a lot of things I, I in, in a positive way, if we have to look you know, um, you know, after these things, uh, there are a lot of farmers who are getting access to depulping machine right now, but still there are a lot of farmers who do not have access to you know depulping machine as well. They do not have any idea about the depulping machine. So if if you see you know I have I have talked to some of the farmers who you know um, who are practicing you know depulping with their hands. So they basically wash the wow. cherries. They they grow the coffee trees in around you know um, I think two or three plants they harvested they grab around like uh, 10 20 kgs of coffee cherries and then how you know depot it with their hands with yeah that, yeah that's, that's so they, a lot of work yeah they waited for like two or three days in the water and the it, it's it is soaked and after that they wash it with the hands and they remove the outer skin and top keep the parchment and they do the hulling process as well. I've spoke to those farmers as well. So I have asked as well. So there are a lot of people like this who do not have the idea about the you know processing methods as well. And they do not have the idea how easily these things can be done. With a machine. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And like when they process it with the hands and they depot it with the hands, have you tasted the difference? Yes. How, how is it? Because I'm super interested. I, I, have, I have no concept uh -huh. of how that would taste different so so please tell me a bit about it, it. it. It's, it's kind of similar uh it does not have any much, you know, uh, changes or any unique, you know, flavors. The reason for that is, you know, after the processing, they they the coffee cherries. They store in a in a, in a 
in any different places where they have the idea in how to do it or how to store it. So yeah. the coffee were oxidized actually, oh. and it, it, it tasted more of like aged as well. Mm, so I, I spoke to the farmers as well, and I asked him, what did you do after the processing or after the depulping the coffee cherries? He said that, we put this thing into uh, in, in, in a normal uh, muddy places or let's say the place where they are, there were a lot of straws and everything. Yeah. So that might be one of the reasons the coffee were aged. So yeah. the thing is that I came to know that they didn't have the idea how to store the coffee as well. And uh, as you remember, you might be remember, you know, uh, we spoke about this thing yesterday as well. The farmers might be doing the work very properly, but there are a lot of things, you know, during the uh, processing methods and storing, storaging the coffee as well. Uh, you know, people need to take care of those things as well because yeah. if the coffee is not stored properly, though the coffee have a very high potential of scoring, you know, 90 plus coffee, but at the end of the day, that won't be scoring even 85 or let's say 80 because the coffee tastes more aged because of the storage problem. So that is yeah. one of the reasons that people need to, or let's say farmer needs to understand, especially in Nepali market. For sure, they need to be more educated and they need to understand um, that, like, one, one thing that's, that's said a lot in the industry, and I think uh, a lot of it is true, is that once the coffee is on the tree, mm -hmm. uh, that's the highest quality it will get. Yeah. So all of the chain, it has to look after how to keep quality high. Exactly. So uh, after the processing, if you don't uh, dry it correctly and if you don't store it correctly, then maybe some unwanted uh, bacteria or fungi will get into the coffee and, exactly. and will change the flavor in a way that doesn't help it. So if the people learn how to store it correctly, how to dry it correctly, that would automatically increase the quality and make for a better cup. Exactly. And then also farmers can ask for a higher price and get a, a better a better payment for it. And also the other reason that I really believe that, you know, when um, I think the farmer needs to taste their own coffee as well because yes. they need to understand what are the different, uh, you know, uh, the quality actually is, what are the commercial coffee tastes like or what uh, specialty coffee tastes like and how they can improve it as well. For sure. And, you know, uh, how they can improve the processing methods as well because there are a lot of farmers who are still practicing or let's say uh, the old tradition met method of processing the coffee beans but for them that might be new but in, in if you compare those stuff to the international market for example the thing that you just said during the you know the processing method that you guys do and the processing method that we do in Nepal it's totally different actually yeah. so this, these are the traditional method that we have been doing it but the farmers they are just learning it right now now and it's, it's a new thing as well so this is uh, this is something very much uh, important and it's, it's very much um, to concern about because unless and until we do not teach the farmer or let's say ask them to drink their own coffee or the mm -hmm. coffee that was produced in the same farm they won't understand how they can improve the quality of the coffee because there are a lot of farmers I've, I've spoke to and asked them if they have tasted their own coffee with a different roasting profile or let's say using any kind of equipment there are a lot of farmers who has been explaining me that they have not seen the espresso machine till now or they have not wow. seen the brewing yeah. brewing brewing you know equipment till now yeah. so that is the main thing that we need to really concern about because as a barista it's not about serving the consumer only but as a barista or as a producer the farmer needs to understand what quality coffee they are producing and what quality coffee that the consumer is drinking For so sure. the whole trend should be much more you know uh, concerned about the last cup actually that's what I believe yes so that's if we can control that one maybe not on the higher level but in, on, on a smaller level or a smaller quantity where people or as a farmer understand what they are producing and what is the value of that cup 
to the international market or let's say national market, I think uh, we can definitely come up with very good quality coffees. For sure, and uh, I think also it's a big responsibility of, for example, roasters uh -huh. uh, to like teach the farmers that they buy from. Because in this way, when the roaster buys the coffee from the farmers and they teach the farmer how to increase the quality, yeah. the roaster will have better quality and they can also pay the farmers better. And so uh, most of this information uh, normally is uh, the roasters have it. Uh -huh. and. Um, if the roasters ask the like sometimes there are producers uh, that that or mills that will buy the coffee cherries or the the parchment from the uh, farmers in wholesale and then sell it uh, to the roasters and so if the roasters ask for high quality and provide the education then more and more farmers can learn how to do these things in the right way when we when we spoke about the producer i believe that we had this communication the, yeah. the definition of the producer in your language and in my language is a totally bit different, different. Yeah. yeah because when, when i talk about the producer i'm thinking about the farmer yeah and uh, and when when you were talking about the producer you were talking about um, the, the, the people who does the farming as well, but also collects coffee and sell that to the, you know, uh, directly or the cafeteria, who does mostly the same stuff. Yeah. Because most of the people over here, they do the, you know, um, they have the farm as well. Yeah. They also buy the coffee from different places. Yeah. They also grow the coffee. Yeah. They does the milling process. They also have the roasting machine and they try to yeah. they sell the packaging, you know, the drinking coffee to the cafeteria. Yeah, I understand. So, so that is the main reason I believe that this should be called as a producer in Nepal maybe yes outside of Nepal there are a lot of people who understand what actually the producer is yeah. but over here we have a lot of cooperatives and the private companies who yes. mostly have their own farm or grab the coffees and they're basically doing the large quantity of you know um, coffee business actually yes so yeah. yeah that's that's really interesting to me because for example when I when I come from Germany you know, in Germany, there isn't one single coffee tree growing and producing. You know? uh -huh, uh -huh. It's like everything yeah. is imported from, from overseas. Yeah. And so in Germany, you have uh, the, the, the trade chain in Germany is you have the exporter in the origin country. Then you have the importer in Germany. And most of the importers are like big importers that buy from many different origins and then they sell to the roasters. Yeah. And so the roaster uh, then produces the coffee, packages it and sells it to the cafe or sells it directly. So all of these in Germany at least are different companies. Yeah. Of course, there are some roasteries who do all this process themselves <laughs> and even some of the roasteries in Germany have a farm overseas somewhere. but. Um, that's that's why the communication there exactly. is, is a bit different because there are almost no people in, in, in Europe I would say that uh, or there are some but they all have if they have a farm they have it overseas somewhere else yeah. and so uh, the chain is a bit more lengthy than here here you have we have it very short yeah by the way this short. is this is only my definition of producer not the everyone <laughs> so please disclaimer if you claim that okay this is the thing I'm so sorry this is the only my definition yeah no, no, no worries <laughs> no. no worries at all because like, yeah. I, I, I see in that way because it, it's, we have a very small community that in, in coffee culture and there are a lot of things to you know things to be done actually and we do not have very long chain actually yeah so there's only one person or let's say one company who does the farming as well collects the coffee as well and roasts the coffee and they package it and then they sell it 
which is very good for 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 the business for, perspective. For, for a business perspective, because you don't have uh, middlemen. Yeah. So when you have uh, the producers here in Nepal, they are doing good business and they're helping directly the farmers, and they don't have like middlemen like overseas who do the whole trading. Um, so this is really good, actually. That's gonna be expensive coffee, you see. <laughs> it is very expensive. Yeah, I've heard. Uh-huh. It's incredible, like. Uh, for for a commercial grade, uh, the prices that I was hearing yesterday were yeah. relatively high, like around uh, ten to twelve dollars yeah. uh, a pretty, kilogram yeah. is is really high for a commercial grade. So we, we tasted <laughs> yesterday. We t- we cup some of the coffees as well. You know, we cup I think six samples yesterday. So let's talk about that coffees as well. What do you think about Nipplings coffee that you have tasted till now? It's been almost like six months now, and you have tasted some special. I think we we tasted a lot of specialty coffees yesterday. Yeah. So sure. what do you think? So uh, in the in the almost a month that I've been here, um, I've tasted uh, mostly during the trek. There mm-hmm. were some espresso machines, and I had some cappuccinos, double espressos, americanos, and things like this. So. Um, these I noticed that it was a very Italian coffee culture when uh-huh. I, when I when I drank those some of them were really well made Italian so like it was a dark roast but the machine was well um, the 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 grinder was well dialed in the machine uh, the the barista pulled a good shot and made uh, a really good espresso based drink with that so I enjoyed them. But they were always like these very roasty flavors, mm-hmm. uh, a bit dark chocolate. So yeah. the, the typical, you know, the typical uh, Italian roasted. Coffee. Yeah. So those were my first coffee uh, experiences with Nepalese coffee. Yeah. And after the trek, um, when I came back to uh, Kathmandu and we met yeah. at the uh, Kathmandu coffee, um, I had a completely different experience. So it was the first time in Nepal that I was tasting um, flavors that were more reminiscent of the third wave coffee that I uh, usually taste more like in in Germany and Europe and these things. So um, yesterday, or yeah, yesterday, yeah, yesterday. yesterday, we tried uh, five different coffees. Six samples. Uh, six samples. Um, one of the coffee was roasted in two different ways. Yeah. So that was really interesting to me to know uh, and, 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 and see that we have these uh, five different origins inside Nepal. There are probably some more that I don't know yet about. Yeah. But yesterday we tasted these uh, six coffees in total. And I was really, really surprised and happy to taste uh, such good quality. Like, uh, I, I remember the coffee from uh, Nuatok. Nuakot. Nuakot, thank oh. you. <laughs> I, I'm still getting a bit confused that's, with that's these That's fine, things. you'll get over there, don't worry. <laughs> yes. Um, so, from... Nuakot, Palpa. From Nuakot, second Palpa. Was, yeah, Palpa. Exactly, right. these two were my favorites. Yeah. Uh, Nuakot we had in two different roasts. Uh, one was a City Plus roast exactly. and one was a, a Full, City, full roast. City roast. All of the other coffees were in a Full City roast. And um, I'm really interested to taste how the Full City roast will develop. Yeah. Because um, my personal favorite was the Nuakot uh, City Plus. City Plus. Um, it, has, it had been developing for like five days after yeah. roasting. 
and I thought it was very fruity but well balanced mm. and uh, it had some hints of, of, of tea but more fruit. It was yeah. uh, almost a bit like a fruit but I thought uh, it could be a natural even when it was a wash yeah. actually. So, so that was done basically an anaerobic process because we didn't know that there was that oh, was actually, we didn't know yeah, that was an anaerobic, anaerobic process. process yes. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now anaerobic. I understand why uh, yeah. it was such a fruit bomb and it was really good. Like exactly. Yeah. So b b we even we didn't know about the coffee actually. The cup was pretty much blind to us. Later on, we talked to the you know. Uh, the, the processing and everything, the storage and everything, when we got yeah. the information regarding the cup, we came to know that the Nua code, that was like anaerobic process, yes. and we had uh, the natural palpa and gulmi as well. Oh, the palpa was a natural? Yeah. Ah, and okay, that, that was also the, yeah. the, the, the second, like in my taste, the second best. And, best was the... Uh, it, it like, that one, I thought it was a really well-balanced, a coffee that I could drink a whole morning, uh, wow. like uh, this, this, this much filter coffee with a couple of friends and just talking and sipping and enjoying. So it, this brings to me, you know, I have a question on you know the same kind of coffee. If you have to compare the the cup we cupped yesterday, yeah. the tip, the six samples, and if you compare those to whatever you have, you know, the you know, especially the coffees till now. Uh, what do you think? Like, how much is the and how much we have? You know, how do you compare these things? Like, do we have the potential on improving on on those cup, or or you think they are really large gap? You know, it will take time. Um, I like. I don't think the gap is that large in in, in, in in these six cups. Like, there were some of the cups that I didn't enjoy that much, um, but they weren't bad either. Yeah, they, they were still good coffees. Um, that just in comparison to the other ones, like to in comparison to to Nuoko and Palpa, they just weren't as good. Exactly. Um, but I think if the farmers and the producers on the on the processing side improve their uh, quality management and their processes, I think that those coffees could also improve a lot. And when I think about the coffees I, I normally cup in Germany. Um, there, like uh, with the anaerobic processed Noakot, uh, the City Plus, I almost it, it reminded me of like really nice and fruity Igor Chefe Ethiopia coffee, mm. and and uh, I really really enjoyed it. And uh, actually, I think that if you get processing right and if you roast it right then I think you can have some really, really nice Nepalese coffee. What, what do you actually prefer, Esteban? Do you prefer more naturals or more washed coffee? Mm. That um, depends a bit on the day. Like, I, I like <laughs> both very much, uh, but sometimes I'm, I really enjoy like these fruit bombs. Ah. And sometimes I just want a mellow, clean and, and clear cup that I can just sip. Um, so it, it really depends a bit on the day. Um, yeah, I, I like both very much. I think in general, mm -hmm. the washed ones uh -huh. um, have a bit more of a, of a stable quality standard. Yeah. But if you have really well-made naturals, uh, they're still super good. So, uh -huh. so if, if they're both well-made, then I like both very much. If it's like uh, a little bit less quality on both, mm -hmm. then maybe the washed ones will be better. So you have tasted a lot of coffees in Nepal, right? 
So yeah, I, I have drank a lot, but the thing is, uh, while doing the trek, when uh, I was drinking lots of coffee there, yeah. um, I asked many times if they knew where the coffee came from, mm -hmm. and most of the people couldn't really tell me. So uh, I tasted a lot of different coffees, uh, but I really think that the bigger idea I got about Nepalese coffee was coping with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is one thing, you know, I try to convey the message to the people through, through you know, whatever we make, the videos and everything. The transparency is very much important because there are a lot of people who do not have the idea about where the coffee is actually from, number one. Number two, they do not know what they are drinking. Yeah. Number three, they do not have the idea, it is, is it the best coffee, whatever they, they are paying for. Like they pay around like 200 rupees, 300 rupees, 150 rupees yeah. for a cup of coffee, which is kind of expensive, I know that. Because Nipis coffee is pretty much expensive. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think that the transparency should be there, where they yeah, should know that what kind of quality they are drinking, or let's say uh, where the coffee is from actually. Yeah. And the other factor that I really believe is that the producer sector, or let's say uh, the people who gives the coffee to the you know cafeteria, uh, they should be more clear about the origin because uh, we do not produce too much of coffees and I believe this is my own personal stuff that I really believe that the coffee that we have it's not only from one place mm. so there might be a lot of blended coffee as well yeah. there are a lot of things which uh, you know they mix together and you know they serve to the cafeteria because we have a very less amount of coffee so we know that but still we are not clear about those things so mm -hmm. if the producer if they can clarify or let's say put this thing as a transparent okay this coffee is from here let's say if you're having Brazilian coffee or let's say mm -hmm. Colombian coffee we can definitely say okay this is the Brazilian coffee this is the yeah. Colombian coffee we have and you can compare these coffee with the Nepalese coffee For and sure. then bring these kind of coffees as well so this is one of the problems that I think that um, that will be resolved later in the future very soon maybe where people will ask to the barista where the coffee is actually from yeah and what kind of the, coffee the they're drinking will yeah. ask the, the manager and the manager will ask the producer and then yeah. it will go through a chain and one way I've seen even with with blended coffees you can also put on the package like uh, this th there is coffee from Guatemala from Nepal mm -hmm. and from Nicaragua in this yeah. bag and 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 then it has a blend name and so there uh, you can increase the transparency as well yeah. and if you have a single origin if you say what variety it is um, if it's only one variety or if it's more varieties from the same origin that's also interesting what height uh, the coffee was uh, harvested in uh, or maybe if it's one farm what is the height range is yeah. also interesting and what's the processing method if it's a natural if it's a um, washed if it's anaerobic these things are super interesting to the people who are drinking the coffee as well yes like uh, there are not a lot of people who have been practicing the same thing because they you have seen yesterday as well we saw that package there was some information over there but not everyone does that they yeah. just mentioned that this is a pure organic Nepali coffee that we have here but kind of vivid information that they have it on the on the packaging yes. and that's what we try to talk uh, and in actually you know producer or let's say whoever has that packaging or the brand they they, they belong to actually please to yeah. you know to put all the information I also wanted to ask uh, you know um, the roasting that you have been tasting uh, that you have been getting uh, from different places the roasting yes. profile how how much difference do you get you know compared to your place and and, and, and the coffee that you have been testing here 
So is it, is it kind of similar the roasting profile and everything? And do you think there is some some differences or, or or a lot of differences? So do you mean like the coffee that I've been tasting during the trek and the coffee that I know from Germany? No, yeah, yeah. the whole process in Nepal. I would say in Nepal. In Nepal as a whole, uh, as like, a whole, uh, the trek and the coffee I have tasted yeah. with you and German and Germany. So yeah, there 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 has been a bit of a of a difference, uh, like. I split it into three, like also with the trek and, okay. and tier, because it's a yeah, bit of a difference. Sure. Um, during the trek, I had some some Italian roasted coffees that were more uh, harsh, yeah. I guess, that were a bit astringent, bitter, and that could be from the roasting, but also from the grind setting. And uh, what I've noticed in many of the packages is that the coffee was relatively old, like from 2019, ah, packaged okay. in 2019. So um, it's coffee that has been roasted a long time ago that's maybe already oxidized, which I mean, I, I can understand it very well because since COVID happened, yeah. um, no, not many tourists have been coming and then uh, the hotels on yeah. the mountain don't, uh, haven't used up all of their coffees and I can understand perfectly well that they first want to use the coffee that they still have, yeah. um, which is completely fine, uh, but it explains a bit of the flavor to me yeah. because it was already a bit oxidized. Um, even with that, some of the darker roasted coffees, even if they were a bit older, uh, when everything was set right in the machine and in the grinder, I thought they tasted very well um, in an Italian fashion, mm. like not third wave, yeah. but still uh, in, in a dark roast, it was very, very, um, it had a good body, it had a good crema, it, 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 it gave me, like when I was in the mountains, it gave me a feeling of having a good cup of coffee <laughs> because, because it, it, I was happy to just have it. Yeah. And it, was, it when the settings were right, it's all good. Like yeah. you can you can get me with a with a cappuccino <laughs> and some chocolate things, and it's all right. But when I came uh, to the city and I came to Kathmandu Coffee uh -huh. and I got the first espresso that actually tasted uh, fruity, fruity and yeah. floral and all these things, was oh, I'm back. <laughs> it's, it's like it was a different feeling yeah. altogether again. So. I think in, in this case, um, the roasting profile is more similar, Yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> and you have like in... in um, I saw the two roasting machines that you're using uh, in the bigger production facility and the smaller one. Uh, you have uh, roasters from Guarantee yeah. and in the smaller one I saw that it's a roaster where you can uh, electronically control the profile very yeah. well. So with this um, I, I understand very well that you can manage to have a really well thought out profile mm. and then you can taste that in a cup immediately. Yeah. And uh, of course when we're talking about uh, specialty coffee in Germany you most of the times you have uh, really high-tech machines that can go a really precise uh, profile so you will have some differences there but um, with the means you have here it's really amazing what you're able to, yeah. to, to come out with and the more access to information and the more access to better machines you will have the higher the quality will become automatically because mm -hmm. I think uh, the potential is there in the beans definitely Awesome. I believe so that, you know, because uh, now, you know, compared to 
what we have been doing before and you know uh, what we are doing right now there are a lot of roasting machine that we you know we can see in the capital actually not only in the capital but outside of the capital as well there are a lot of places outside of the valley where people have started to roast the coffee by themselves and they are learning every point of time they are asking to a lot of people trying to come up with good roasting profiles and everything yeah. so yeah looking forward to this thing as well because uh, you know uh, if, if everybody has the roasting machine and they can roast by themselves and come up with different profiles share the coffee with each other For definitely sure. you know we can come up with Good, good roasting. You know, a platform where where people understand what actually good quality coffee is all about. Because in Nepal, still a lot of people, a lot of cafe, they practice the Italian coffee culture, and it, it just been you know few, not even a few years. I would say a couple of months, where a year, where you know people are practicing specialty coffee on on a professional level actually. Yes. So that they have understood what actually specialty coffee is all about, uh, what actually the good quality coffee is all about. So yeah, hopefully. You know, in coming future, we can get some more good quality roasting profile as well. For sure. And if you're talking about this direction, uh, I'm reminded of, of a bit of um, the coffee culture I saw in China mm -hmm. and a bit of the coffee culture that I've heard about in, in Taiwan, uh -huh. where um, many cafes have their own small little exactly. two kilogram yeah. roasting machine. And so they're in constant communication about the uh, roasting profiles, and maybe one cafe will roast for three other cafes in the in the vicinity and for mm -hmm. themselves. And um, there are all of these smaller, uh, all very exact electronic roasters also from from China um, that you can use to 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 uh, innovate in the roasting profiles on a smaller scale. You know, on a, on a two kilogram per batch scale. Wow. And uh, it's interesting if you can implement this kind of coffee culture, then uh, maybe it, it can happen that it will start being a very bustling and hustling yeah. uh, coffee culture where everyone is talking about their uh, rose profiles and these things. Maybe it's a bit idealistic, but I would love for it to happen. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's really good. Nice. So, as the man, like. You, you you basically belong from Colombia, but you still live in German, right? So we, where do you source the coffee from? So um, right now, uh, well, I, I, I live I live in Germany. Ah. I come from Colombia. Ah. We have the coffee farm there. Ah. Uh, I started my company just uh, last year, ah. and the first time I imported coffee was around uh, November. So that was a very, very small batch from our farm only. And uh, I started learning to roast actually with that batch of coffee um, in a coffee school. And there uh, I roasted the coffee. I just gave it to friends and uh, got feedback. Ah. And so now this time around, um, Two months ago, mm -hmm. I imported a bigger batch, like 375 kilos, from our farm and from our neighbor's farm in Colombia, both coffees from Colombia, and um, I uh, got into a cooperation with uh, a well-established roaster in Berlin who is going to be roasting, production roasting our coffee for us, so I'm buying the roasting service from them and then selling uh, our coffee through our website uh, in the European market. Wow. So I sell uh, in Germany, Austria, uh, Spain, I sell pretty much everywhere in the EU. 
and we're maybe in the future also planning to to sell in the United States, but wow. uh, for now we're focusing on the European Union. Okay, so how how much? I'm just curious, you know. Um, how much easy is it, you know, uh, to you know uh, trade the coffee, you know, to to international market? I mean, I'm 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 asking about more more you know support from the government or let's say the Colombian government or say the German government or everything like that. Do you have any easy access, or or you know, uh, would that be a good question for you? You know, it's a good question and and I can answer it. And it's a bit pretty long answer, so that's why I'm. <laughs> um, so let's start with the Colombian side to export, mm -hmm. for example. Um, on the Colombian side, uh, to be able to export coffee, you have a couple of options. Either you buy the exporting service mm -hmm. from a well-established exporter mm -hmm. that normally uh, buys coffee from a lot of different farms and sells it to importers overseas. Uh. Or you do a whole very lengthy and a bit difficult process yeah. of becoming an exporter yourself, which is really not that easy, um, but can be done. Uh, and then you can start exporting yourself. So we, on, 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 on in this step, uh, bought the exportation service from someone. Um, but then, in Germany directly, I imported myself. Ah. But uh, in Germany, to be able to import, you need uh, a few also official and bureaucratic things, which, for example, uh, I needed a, a specific number. It's called the ORI number, which is uh, an importation number for Germany. Yeah. And to get this, I, I uh, asked for it from the customs office, and it took around eight weeks, uh, or maybe even a bit longer, to get to me. Normally, I think when there's no COVID, it's faster. But for me, it took a really long time until I got the number, and I was allowed to import anything. So. There's a lot of paperwork to do if you want to import things uh, to Germany and to other places probably as well, but I don't know the specifics about them. Yeah. Also, once I imported the bigger batch, I had to get in contact with a lot of um, offices, for example, the uh, in German it's called the Pflanzenschutzamt. Wow. It's the it's the office that takes care that no foreign plants um, that come into Germany can affect the biosphere in uh. Germany. So with coffee it's not a big problem because uh, coffee can't grow in Germany well. But um, I still had to talk to them and I still had to fill out some forms. I, I still had to do a lot of paperwork so that they would say, okay, yeah, it's fine that you import the coffee. Uh. And it's the same thing with, with uh, a couple of different offices. So you have to go and do the whole paperwork and then it's fine. And then you can import and start doing business. Uh. Yeah. I think uh, compared to us, it's pretty much easy, right? So there'll be less amount of tax that is involved in the coffee. Cause oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I heard yesterday. I mean, in Germany you have um, the, the duty to bring in green coffee is zero. Uh, then you have uh, uh, added tax value, mm. added value tax, mm. that's around, like VAT is around 10% for the coffee when you import it. And then once you roast it, for every kilogram of uh, coffee you roast, 
you have to pay to the uh, tax office two euro and nineteen for mm -hmm. every kilogram, um, or if you're imported already roasted, it's twenty five percent tax. Uh, so these are the taxes you have to pay in Germany. But I heard here they it's, are a it's lot too expensive. More. <laughs> that is the main reason why the coffees over here. You know, when we have to export that coffees. To, to international market that's you know it, it booms out the price yeah. so that is one of the main reason why there are a lot of producer uh, they cannot sell the coffee to the international market and they are really willing to sell in a very small batch so that the other other side they can purchase it as well and from this side they can sell it as well but if we I think uh, also there are a lot of uh, you know the market especially in Nepal the local market is also increasing so it's a very good gateway to you know uh, sell your own coffee to the national level to the local market as well, because uh, we only produce um, five and thirteen metric tons of coffee in Nepal uh, theoretically, which is uh, which is mentioned by the you know government side that we have, but I believe we still have a lesser amount than that. But uh, still, you know, hopefully in the future, if we start producing very good amount of coffee, you know, more than five and thirteen metric tons. So yeah, we can sell good coffee to the international market as well. That so really I see cool. a lot of people complaining about the price is really expensive. That's because not only the coffee, but there are a lot of things, the tax and everything. Yeah. So if this is resolved, most probably there is more chances of selling the you know, good coffees to the international market as well. For sure, I'm hoping now, <laughs> it works. So let's talk about your farm as well. You know, um, uh, what, what kind of you know uh, varietals that you have right now? So, um, the ones that are already in production is mostly Castillo, which is um, <clears throat> one of the varietals that the Colombian government uh, it's created. It's a mix of Cotura and, and Catimor? I'm not entirely sure. I, 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 would, I would look it up uh, and I will post it. I, I will, I will, we will post it in the notes. Sure, sure. But I, I know it's from Katura and others. So it was created um, so that it's resistant to leaf rust, uh, but uh, it also have, has a good cup and it's a very pleasing cup. Uh, so this one we already have in production. We have uh, um, varietal San Bernardo in production that I like very much personally. Um, and uh, we have planted a lot of tabi mm -hmm. and we have planted some geisha. Wow. Also, um, there, so the, it's five. It's five. Castillo, tabi, uh, tabi, Bernardo, San Bernardo, Geisha Ca four, uh, Geisha, uh. also Caturra, uh. Uh, some old plants that uh, my grandfather already yeah. was planting, and we have some of them also. Uh, that we have planted new ones, but not that many. And we have one more varietal, which is the new uh, varietal that the Colombian government has made, which is Seni Cafe One. Seni uh, Cafe One. Yes. Is it is a selection? Hmm? Mutation. It's another. Yeah, it's another uh, selection. It's another mutation. Uh, I haven't tasted it yet uh -huh. because it's relatively new, but we planted it uh, this year. So I'm really looking forward to tasting it and to seeing how it. Uh, yeah, how it performs in the cup and, and, and volume-wise as well. So these are the um, varietals we have in our farm 
and I hope maybe in the next three years all of them will be in production. Right now um, we only have the Castillo in production and we have the San Bernardo in production. Wow. Uh, a little bit of Tabi but, and, and a little bit of the Olcatura, but it's not that much. So we're using those seeds mainly, um, or that coffee mainly, to reseed and to plant more. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So you have been to the farm, you know, today as well, right? Yeah. So how was the experience? It was amazing. <laughs> it was, you know, originally I thought that in Colombia we had uh, pretty steep hills uh -huh. uh, where the coffee grows, which on some parts it's true, but when I saw the farm, like, almost all of it is completely <laughs> on a, on a well, you would say hillside. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in Germany, we would call it a mountain. There's <laughs> something interesting about Nepal I learned, like, um, here mountains start to be called mountains uh, after 4,000 and something yeah. meters. And in Germany, that's already a really high mountain. <laughs> and here it's just a hill, you know, wow. which is really funny to me. Um, but yeah, so I came there and you have all of these terraces uh, where the coffee grows and yeah. where uh, you actually have like a coffee forest with yeah. uh, some apple trees. Uh, I saw macadamia trees, macadamia. some lychee trees. Yeah. So you have a lot of different agricultural products that you're growing besides the coffee that also help get the farmer some income and some things to eat. Uh, which I find is really, really good and interesting because it also helps, for example, for the local fauna, for the uh, birds to inhabit the trees and these things. So we do the same thing with other different uh, plants in Colombia. Wow. On our farm we have uh, some banana trees, we have uh, chachafrutos, which is a very big kind of bean, uh -huh. uh, which has a really high protein uh, uh -huh. concentration, and you can make into a, a, a like a puree, uh -huh. and it's really yummy. Uh -huh. um, do, do you cook that? Yeah, you can cook that and uh -huh. eat it. It's it's really good. And we have the nogales de café, which is a, a so I think it's like a walnut uh -huh. that grows on the coffee fields. That is. Uh, a big shade tree that helps the coffee get some shade and to uh, help the aeration and so the plants don't get too hot, you know? Um, so, yeah. so uh, what are the things that you really think that that's uh, very much important when you, when, you, when you work on a coffee farm? I would not say you, if you own a coffee farm, but if you're someone who, who is really interested in coffee farming, what are the things that you really need you know, to understand? Yeah, so I think it's very important for you to understand uh, the variety you're working with and so for example to know what color shade is the right one to pick the cherries. So you really only want to pick the ripe cherries and you don't want them to get overripe uh -huh. because when they get overripe they attract insects and that lowers the quality. Uh, but um, so if you have like yellow or uh, yellow katura in, in, in the case of this coffee farm I yeah. visited today um, you could for example get a bricks meter uh -huh. a refractometer yeah. and uh, measure uh, the sugar content yeah. inside the cherry and then uh, after many measurements you would know uh, at which measurement uh, it's Fully ripe, yeah. And you would know the shade, the color shade 
that is the correct one to actually pick it. Yeah. And one thing that many farms have implemented in uh, South America is that they give the workers like bracelets, uh -huh. like just some silicon bracelets uh -huh. in the right color. Okay. So that the workers know by no looking one. at the bracelet uh, what color of cherry they have to pick. So that should be kind of maroon? Yeah. yeah. Maroon? Maroon color? Yeah, it depends. Like for example, if you have like the red cherries, mm -hmm. uh, then it's a red bracelet. If you have the the yellow cherries is the yellow bracelet. Is it specifically designed to pick up the cherries? Uh, the, the bracelet or just, uh, it's just a regular mean, bracelet? You know these silicone bracelets that are a bit stretchy? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so these and uh, you buy them in the shade that uh, would be the ripe cherry. So you look at the, you look at the color, uh -huh. you maybe uh, take a photograph uh, that's a good photo, a good color photograph and you extract with your computer the right color, the right uh, maybe Pantone code or the right hexadecimal code. And then you go with that to someone who produces his bracelets. Mm -hmm. You tell them, I want, uh, I don't know, depending on the coffee farm size, I want 20 bracelets with exactly this color uh -huh. so I can give them to the, far, to the workers and they can pick exactly this color of cherry. Ah, so that would be the way. Um, other things, uh, composting and making your own fertilizer, as we talked earlier about the uh, worm fertilizer that we use in Colombia, mm -hmm. and uh, we can we can include that bit that we yeah. talked about in here. Or uh, that's really important to start producing your own fertilizer. Um, how how often do you do you use cattle? Uh, you know. Uh, the vestiges, you know? Yeah, that, that we also put with the worms. No. Like, uh, we have, actually, we have one worker who's employed at our farm, uh, who just, his job is to shovel uh, the, the wastes of the cattle into... Uh, the compost pit? No, into a, into a um, how do you call them? The, this bin with the wheels and... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, to shovel it into that and to bring it to the worms and so we put it all with the worms and the worms will eat it uh, and they will compost it again. Did you see so, the kettle today over there? Uh, Goats and cows? Yeah, I saw, I saw, I think, two buffaloes. Hey, oh yeah, buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot, yeah, they yeah. had two buffaloes. I saw the two buffaloes and I saw uh, lots of goats. Goats, yeah. Yeah, and so the, the droppings of the goats and also the droppings of the, of the chickens yeah. you can use to compost and to... Um, you can use them directly but you, if you, if you um, do worm compost, then it will increase again the quality. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, and it, you know, I was talking about, you know, we were talking about actually the specialty coffees, you know, and uh, you have tasted a good quality specialty coffees, you know, ninety plus coffees as well, and you have tasted the specialty coffee that we had as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, um, what do you think, you know? Um, it, it, is it only the farming side or let's say roasting side or let's say or just that you know the channel that we have it is it only the thing that we need to take care of you know while we are talking about specialty coffee or also um, you know uh, the barista side as well you know of course like because because uh, the whole chain definitely yeah. so first it's the uh, farm then it's the processing then it's the roasting and after that of course 
it's also the barista. So the barista has to know uh, how to extract well. If they're using an espresso machine, uh, they have to know the machine, they have to know how to uh, dial in the grinder, how to dial in their machine so that they have a well-extracted espresso, not under-extracted, yeah. not over-extracted, because even if you have uh, uh, roasted coffee that's over 90 points, if the barista doesn't know what they're doing, that you won't get a 90 point cup. Yeah. Uh, but if the barista is, is well learned and knows what they're doing, you will get an amazing experience with that cup of coffee. So yeah, and I guess that's uh, here in this place in the Barista's Coffee School, your area of expertise. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so um, we're almost to the end of the session, but I still want to ask you, uh, uh, what do you think of the uh, whatever you have gotten now? Maybe you know within this month, the whole uh, uh, one month. Yeah. What do you what do you uh, ha what do you think of the Nepalese coffee culture? You know the environment that you had, the places you have been. Um, not in an expertise way, but just like a random thought about the Nepalese coffee culture. Because you have been to a lot of places in your in, in Germany or let's say in Colombia yeah. as well. You produce a very good high quality coffee yeah. as well. But in terms of you know the environment that you have, the Nepalese coffee culture, what do you think about this thing? So I think it's very diverse. Uh, it's the first thing that pops into mind because um, here in Kathmandu and in Pokhara, I went to coffee shops that were uh, like the interior design was very well made and uh, there was a lot of beautiful art on the on the walls and uh, it felt very comfortable, it felt very cozy. And also I went to like little coffee shops in the mountains that were like um, not more than a little shack with an espresso machine but a nice big terrace and a beautiful view and the, the person there maybe knew how to make uh, basic latte art uh, but they didn't know for example how to uh, dial in the machine and then the next place they knew how to and so it has been a very diverse uh, experience some uh, very very good ones uh, some funny ones yeah. and um, Sometimes it was just uh, maybe also some subpar espresso, but I guess that's mostly when the people who are behind the machine don't really know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But most most places, uh, even if they didn't know what they were doing, they were super friendly and they were uh, super helpful. So in general, I think, uh, and that's one of the most important things in my opinion, the hospitality side that when you get to a, a coffee shop, that when you get to any kind of restaurant or to gastronomy, you feel welcome. You feel like uh, they want to take care of you and that you feel that you're, you're uh, a well-regarded guest and uh, you can just feel comfortable there. So I think that's the most important thing and all of the coffee quality, the expertise that comes after that, those are maybe more technical things uh, that are also important to improve, but at the end you're dealing with people, you yeah. know? And so uh, on a personal level, that's, uh, that's a thing that will, that will color the whole experience a lot. And in this regard, I think Nepali coffee culture has been really a treat for me because the people here have been super nice and I've really enjoyed uh, all of my experiences in one way or another. Uh, ranging from the most technical knowledge and the, the less, uh, everyone was super, super nice and helpful to me. I'm glad, I'm glad. And the reason I asked these things because 
because you, you work, you are into a Berlin Coffee School as well, where you teach people, you know, uh, regarding the basic fundamental knowledge of, you know, how to brew coffee and everything. Yes. So definitely, if I go to somewhere else, you know, I definitely see, you know, what actually people are doing. Is it good way or is it like something is wrong with that one? Yeah. So we took, <laughs> definitely, no matter what, how much you want to ignore that, you definitely For sure. see. For right? sure. So yeah. that was the main reason we went out, and I really wanted to know, you know, how do you see people? There were a lot of things that people have the proper ideas about extractions or let's say running a coffee shop and everything and while talking about Berlin Coffee School you know what you actually do in Berlin Coffee School as, as an instructor you said you're an instructor exactly so um, I give classes um, I give like for example three-day courses uh, where we um, teach people who don't have any prior knowledge uh, to become baristas. So in the first day they get a basic introductory course with like um, one and a half hours or two hours of coffee theory. Um, what, what, what types of grinders are there? Uh, what types of machines are there? Uh, how can you brew coffee? And then uh, we go into the classroom and we do a practical part where we extract coffee and we taste and compare and uh, show the people what the different stages of extraction are, for mm -hmm. example. And uh, when they have done that, the next day it's a little bit more advanced. So there they get uh, more botanical knowledge, they uh, learn a bit about shade management, they learn, they learn about uh, different varieties uh, in the theory. And then we go again to the practice room where we have a couple of espresso machines and uh, we brew some coffee with the espresso machines so they refresh what they did the day before. Mm -hmm. And afterwards we have some pour over methods, we have some cold drip methods, we have a, a couple of different methods that we try out with the people so wow. they get to know the differences in brewing. Uh, on the third day, the whole day is latte art. Wow. So we have a little, a little time uh, for the theory behind it, but it's like maybe an hour. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the day is latte art, latte art, latte art. And people leave there super tired, tired uh, but happy that they learned, but super, super tired. <laughs> because learning latte art is, is lots of concentration, yeah. lots of focus, and it's like for me, all of the other things were relatively easy, but latte art was the <laughs> hardest part for me. And I mean, I can do maybe maybe a leaf and maybe a heart, but I yeah. wouldn't call myself a great latte artist yet. I still have a lot of things to learn. Me neither. Art. I cannot do too much of latte. <laughs> I can drink a lot of coffee though. <laughs> yes, and tasting and these things. So that's those are the three courses that I teach the most. I also teach sensory. So I teach people how to cup, I teach people uh, what to expect in different origins of coffee, um, I, I, I teach them how to work with the uh, cupping form. Uh, we have a, a beginner cupping form that's a bit, let's say, simpler, and then we have the official SCA cupping form and uh, we start in the, we have two different uh, sensory courses, like the beginner course where we start with the simplified one and then the advanced one where we teach them how to use the SCA cupping form and then we have a roasting course uh, where we have a small 1 kg roasting machine and we have 
a sample machine uh, that has two drums with 100 grams capacity each. So um, we get into the theory of roasting and mm -hmm. then we get into practice and use those two machines to roast a couple of different samples and to uh, show the students how to use a roasting machine. Mm -hmm. um, we teach them about the, the, the different parameters they have to look out for, like rate of rise, uh, charge temperature, um, development time, development time ratio, and um, we go into the chemistry of roasting. So uh, all of these classes I, I teach, mm -hmm. and we're developing a couple of, of more advanced classes at the moment that I haven't teached yet, but I'm really excited for them. That's awesome. Yeah. Sounds pretty much quite interesting though. So it's, it's very large stuff where you know you go with the crop to cup, right? Yes. Talking about the farming side, how yes. to brew it, how to roast as well, a lot of things. Yeah, because it's really important yeah. that the barista know about these things so they can communicate to their customers. Yeah. So they, they can uh, continue expanding the coffee culture. I mean, um, it's it's not the goal that the barista goes and like evangelizes yeah. the the customer, but if the customer is interested and asks, it's very important that the barista can answer their questions. So that's why we give them also all of the theoretical input, so that they have it in the back of their head and they can answer if anyone asks. Wow. So yeah, I've got last um, two questions. Yeah. One, um, the first one regarding the coffee. I would say, um, what do you want to take and what do you want to leave? Which means, what do you want to take, whatever you have drank over here, the coffee that we have been talking about, did you, do you take anything with you, any knowledge, any, any stuff from Nepal, Nepalese coffee culture? And the other side, do you want to give any information or any idea where you think that the, this should be done so that you can see uh, you know, the culture would grow much or let's say this would uh, help people out in terms of coffee. So, do you understand what I'm trying to explain? I, I, I think so. Um, so, on one side, something I definitely want, want to take and teach uh, more of after having the experience here is the hospitality side, Sweet. which I think that the, the inherent culture here in Nepal uh, I mean, Nepal, uh, the, the, the slogan is uh, the smiling country or the peace. peace. Yeah. So it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of good energy that you get here and people are very helpful, very friendly and they make you feel welcome. So that's very, very, very important, I think. And I think I will have a bigger focus on it after having been here. Uh -huh. Also, um, we tried uh, yesterday together yeah. here uh, a coffee from Lakali, which uh -huh. was amazing. I haven't tasted anything <laughs> like that. Um, it has a really intense caramel licorice flavor, and I really enjoyed it. We made it with a V60. Yeah. And uh, so those are the the two really big experiences. And of course, meeting you and having all of this together was really, really amazing. Wow. Um, the things that you want to give or leave here. So the things uh, that I want to, to give, uh, many of them I've already talked in the podcast, yeah. like little information bits about farming, little, yeah. Um, yeah, information about how the processing can improve. Um, so, also maybe in the future, 
with with different companies from here uh, where we have gotten in contact maybe we can form nice relationships and uh, continue supporting each other like supporting the Nepalese coffee culture uh, while while having a good economical impact for both sides and having a good win-win so uh, that's really important I think to to give yeah. and um, yeah so I, I I want to encourage everyone who uh, isn't abroad and hasn't ha heard of Nepali coffee culture at all to come to Nepal to enjoy not only the hiking not only the Himalayas but also the, but coffee. Also the uh, coffee coffee culture and to to know that there is a, a seedling I would say yeah. of specialty coffee culture growing here in Kathmandu in Nepal and that even here, even outside the coffee belt, yeah. there is some coffee. And even outside the coffee belt, the specialty coffee culture is growing. Yeah. And I really want to encourage people to come and get to know you and uh, just be here and try many different coffees and have the amazing experiences that I have had while being in Nepal. That's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, I would also, you know, um, like to ask my last question. Everyone does that, you know, we are always <laughs> curious about the same question, like, it's your first time in Nepal, right? Yes. And you came here with a different motive where, you know, you are also a communication trainer, yes. where you're into communication and also, uh, you said, uh, mental health or anything like that, physical, uh, so, psychological. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, my my teaching background in the university is that I uh, created workshops for the career service center of our university where I studied and I teach students about resilience, about stress management, about rhetoric and communication. I teach uh, also about project management mm -hmm. to students uh, on, a, on a student level. Like um, when I talk about project management, it's not like big IT project or something like that. It's more like uh, self-management. How do I set priorities in my studies? How do I manage my time in a way so that I can have free time and at the same time excel in my studies and reduce the stress levels? And so I teach these kinds of things to students, which is my uh, yeah, educational background, which helped me a lot uh, to start teaching about coffee once I knew um, the, the theoretical and practical side. I already had like the teaching background. So since it's your first time in Nepal, yes. So how do you how do you how do you find like uh, you have already heard Nepal before as well, right? Because uh, you have explained me about these things. So what do you think of the whole experience? How do you describe it? So it was amazing. It was definitely amazing, and I really want to come back because there are some there are actually many things that I haven't experienced yet yeah. here. Uh, so I really want to go to Manasulu and, yeah. and, and see that whole track. I want to see some more temples, which I didn't have so much time uh, to do this time around. And um, yeah, I, I want to continue uh, learning more about the culture and, and yeah, I would love to come back. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> Basically.
So I think this is it. This is, it was really nice, you know, yeah. to have you here. You know, Thank talk you so about much. coffees and everything. Yeah. So yeah, thanks so much for having you know uh, being here, Esteban. It was really nice talking Thank to you. Thank you so much, Manos, for <laughs> inviting me, for having me here, and uh, yeah, for teaching me so much about Nepalese coffee culture and yes. for uh, making all of this possible. That was that was an awesome experience, you know, talking about different kind of coffee cultures and you know to let you know about Nepalese coffee culture as well. So yeah, so yeah, let's end this podcast with this. Let's grab some more coffee as well. That sounds good.